Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Expert podcast and to a brand new year. Welcome to 2023. I'm joined today by Dr. Alex Hibble, who we met before Christmas on the Exam Study Expert podcast. If you didn't listen to that episode all about relationships with friends, then Alex is a new face or new voice as far as the podcast is concerned here at Exam Study Expert. uh, She's a full-time member of the team helping out with all kinds of things that we get up to, including coaching, speaking, research, and as per today, helping us make the podcast as good as it possibly can be for you all. So Alex, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about brain health, where we'll be giving students four useful and accessible tips that they can use to boost the power of their brain so they can get peak attention and focus throughout the academic season. So we have four tips for you today. If you're listening in real time, as it were, in January, part of the reason we thought this was a nice episode to do is, you know, it's the start of the year and often people are thinking about their New Year's resolutions. So if this is a practice you have, you know, you often like to set a resolution or adopt a new habit for the new year, then perhaps you might consider one of these four areas as being a habit you might like to work on for this year. And we hopefully bring you some helpful tips on how to do that as well. So our first tip is carry a water bottle with you. Alex, tell us a little bit about the impact of proper hydration on cognitive function. I think we've all been told at some point or another to carry a water bottle with us, but sometimes it's not quite clear just how important hydration is. So we know that for every 1% loss in overall hydration, we lose about 5% of cognitive power. So to put that into real terms, there was a study done recently in 2018 that looked at the effect of dehydration on cognitive performance. And they got a group of students to take an exam. And for half the students, they didn't give them any water and they dehydrated them through making them run on a treadmill. And the other half, they left completely as they were. And there's about a grade boundary of difference in the scores of participants in the dehydrated group after the exam. Wow. So, you know, a huge impact. But what's also really interesting is that a follow-up study looked at, well, what happens when participants are back to normal hydration levels? And so the next day when participants had, you know, been rehydrated, the people who'd been dehydrated the day before were still performing worse in their exams. So wow. it's not just short-term dehydration that affects our, you know, ability to do well in exams, sort of longer-term effects. So really keeping hydration constant is a is a really easy way to safeguard against losses in exams that could otherwise be avoided. Didn't expect it would be that powerful in the, in terms of the actual impact on, on exam yeah. performance. Um, and so, of course, like we want to stay hydrated right throughout the study process, not just for exams. But I've heard that some exams are quite mean and don't even allow to, you to bring a water bottle into the exam with you, which seems quite harsh. <laughs> Yeah, that is definitely a problem. There's also, you know, we should mention the sort of the opposite effect in that different exam study found that just drinking a glass of water before exams could increase cognitive power. So boost it. Don't just let yourself get dehydrated. Try and get ultra hydrated. And But think about the length of time of your exam and whether you're allowed bathroom breaks at all. Important consideration, definitely. Exactly. <laughs> definitely. Um, fantastic. Well, look, moving swiftly on, our second tip is 
work on the regularity of your sleep routine. So in particular, aiming to get to bed and wake up at sort of roughly the same sorts of times each day. So to set the scene for this, this is all about getting healthy sleep, isn't it? So Alex, talk us through a little bit of what we know about the kind of impact of sleep on good mental performance. I think we've all experienced those days at school or university when maybe we've been out late the night before or just haven't slept very well. And we know that we feel sort of more sluggish. So there's lots of research out there at the effects of, you know, sleep deprivation on our loss of concentration. But what's actually really interesting is, you know, if you get students to consume caffeine, they might think that their cognitive powers are sort of back up to full running. And you can see this when students, you know, report how awake they feel. But the cognitive effects, even if emotionally you think I'm back up to full speed, you know, participants are still performing less well in exams. They still have less sort of powerful working memories. Interesting. So caffeine isn't a complete <laughs> antidote to, to lack of sleep. Yeah, you, you might still need feel to sleep. more awake, but you're not yeah. doing any better. Assuming we get sleep sorted, just as a little side note, what is your view on caffeine like I mean you personally did you kind of drink a lot of coffee when you were a student and doing your PhD yes absolutely but do do you feel you should have done (laughs) does it matter I think I think it can work I really enjoyed it as part of my morning routine so instead of you know at the early stages of my PhD I would roll out of bed and get straight to my computer but in the later stages I really enjoyed the act of like going and making a coffee and then I'd try and go for a walk around the block to get some early morning light in so we know that nice. one of the best things you can do for your sleep cycle is expose yourself to early morning light as we all know try and stay away from late night light especially smartphones So I would say don't demonize caffeine. It it can have a place in the study routine, but definitely think about when you're drinking it. You know, the half-life of caffeine differs. There's a lot of individual difference in how long people's systems take to clear caffeine. So for some people, a coffee at 2 p.m. is fine. And for other people, you know, they're still going to be wide awake at midnight. So taking some time to figure out how your body responds to caffeine and quite a useful trick, I think. Yeah. Um, We've snuck in a whole bunch of little mini tips within this one, haven't we? Um, Within the world of sleep, we've had being careful of the caffeine too late in the day. We've we've had getting sunlight in the morning. We've had watching the screen time at bedtime. The the one we we kind of chose to highlight as, as the overall kind of top takeaway was that kind of regularity of sleep routine. You know, I think from from certainly my reading on the the sleep scientists advisors, that seems to be if you're gonna look for a place to start, that's possibly one of the working on your your sleep hygiene. It's easy advice to give, but not always quite so easy to put into practice. You know, there's the temptation of if you don't have to get up for a lecture or classes, you know, sleeping in late at the weekend. But if you can avoid that temptation, it's quite a good idea to do so, right? Absolutely. I think I found that really helped. So I would suffer from what sleep scientists call social jet lag, where I would, you know, go out late at weekends and then try and catch up on sleep, which we know doesn't work. The sleep deprivation sort of compounds over days. So even if yeah. you go through a bit of a binge sleep on Saturday and don't get up till 4pm, you haven't really corrected for the lack of sleep. So I would schedule a 10am coffee again, but I would often have decaf, a 10am walk with a friend on Saturday mornings. Nice. And this meant that I wasn't going to bed super late on Friday because I wanted to be awake when I saw her, um, but also meant I was getting that like early morning sunlight. And it really sort of anchored my weekend. It gave me something to look forward to. It gave me a bit of structure. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And we were talking before Christmas break about using your using your friends and kind of support network and, and so forth as part of studying. And, you know, that's, that's another nice way to, to kind of link it in with, with some of those things that we were talking about. 
Excellent. So do go back and check that episode out if you haven't listened to it already. Fabulous. So moving swiftly on, in at number three, we have getting a little exercise onto your study schedule. So perhaps of all of these ones, this was the bit of advice that, you know, I wish I'd taken more seriously when I was a student because I was I was pretty lazy when it came to getting getting out and about and getting moving. Um, but there are some real big wins if we can get out and about and get moving, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of research out there on sort of the emotional side of what exercise can do. You know, we know it's a mood booster, you get all those endorphins. But what's really interesting coming at it from a sort of cognitive science perspective is that actually when we see people who engage even in a bit of moderate level exercise, so this can be as simple as a brisk walk for 30 minutes, we see increased levels of hormones in the brain. So brain-derived neurotrophic factor and neurotrophic binding factor. And these are long words, but what they really mean is is cells in your brain are sort of more flexible. They're more able to build little networks. And when it comes to learning and memory, this is how memories are stored in the brain. So there's this really interesting side effect where it actually seems as though the more we engage in moderate exercise a few times a week, actually, this might have a huge impact on our ability to learn and remember the stuff that we want to for our exams. I, I was aware of the link between sleep and memory when I was a student, particularly you know, after I'd studied a bit of psychology, uh, but I wasn't aware of the link between sort of exercise and, and memory. So that's that's fascinating. I guess not everybody listening is going to be super sporty and kind of super athlete. What would your advice be to, I guess, someone like like me who was, was kind of not particularly sporty inclined, at least how can you start to incorporate a little bit of movement? So I was very much in the same boat as you. A lot of sports at university, especially rowing, which was the big one where I was, didn't appeal to me. But, you know, a brisk walk is enough to get these exercise benefits in. But something else I found really useful was this idea of instead of thinking about exercise as a, oh, I've got to get my heart rate up, thinking of it as an opportunity to try new things. So there are always taster classes for like salsa. Yeah. There was a late night ice hockey, which I found really fun yeah. once or twice. So using it to sort of add variety and as an ability to like, you know, catch up with your friends or meet new people, try and reframe it in your head as something yeah. fun that you're adding into your routine to give yourself a bit of diversity. So your timetable doesn't look like, you know, different color blocks of studying actually yeah. has some things to look forward to and just happen to get your heart rate up a bit. Like your, your 10 a.m. Saturday walks with your friend, for example. Exactly. I never thought of those as exercise. I thought of those as a, a good way to catch up and you know, the benefits were just hidden away in the background. Okay. So in at number four, finally, we have the idea of waking up mindfully. And this is really just a fancy label on the idea of consider starting your day uh, with a few moments of meditation. If you are new to the idea of meditation, we have a bunch of podcasts on the show, which we have covered this before. Um, in particular, episode 31, which was dedicated to talking about mindfulness and meditation with uh, Claire Kelly from the Mindfulness in Schools project that breaks down what it is and the benefits and how to do it. Um, we also touched on it in episode 29 with Chris Bailey, our productivity expert. Um, episode 81, where I was trying to get into the habit of a daily meditation practice. I was being coached on trying to form that that habit. Um, and I'm delighted to say it's, it's sort of stuck reasonably well-ish. I'm not crazy super consistent every single day, I'll be honest. Most days I'd say I do. Uh, so it has been a, a habit that stood the test of time. And there's a whole bunch of research. We, we've written about this on the blog before, uh, you know, the benefits of meditation. If you just Google benefits of meditation for students, 
um, our article on that pops up. It's, it's currently number one in Google for benefits of meditation for students. And it's an impressive list. Um, just to highlight a few of the benefits, you know, we've got improved focus and concentration, better mental health, emotional resilience, uh, increased ability to manage stress and anxiety, you know, pretty, pretty handy benefits for anyone studying for exams, I would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really useful thing you can incorporate into your routine. And as you said, waking up mindfully, if we can just give yourself, you know, a few minutes, three minutes at the start of the day is not too huge an ask. I think, you know, a lot of students, myself included, are very guilty of abusing our snooze button. So, you know, that last snooze button, instead of adding an extra five minutes and thinking I'll snooze, think I'll add an extra five minutes and this will be my mindful wake up. Ever since I started meditating regularly, my go-to app of choice uh, has been Headspace and I recommended it for years and years. And this year, finally uh, took the plunge and, and wrote to Headspace and says, look, I've, I've been I've been recommending you for ages. Um, would you consider a commercial partnership? Now we do have a relationship in place whereby uh, we will earn a small commission if you do decide to sign up through Headspace. It doesn't cost anything more to you. Um, and as I say, we were recommending Headspace long before uh, we became commercial partners uh, because they're so good. You know, the, the service has grown immeasurably since uh, I started using it. You know, back in the day, it was, it was just a sort of a daily meditation that you got. And now the app has blossomed in all kinds of areas and there's dedicated little advice videos for stress, anxiety, um, you know, exam nerves, specific advice for students. Um, there's libraries full of focus music playlists. There's mindful workouts in there. There's all kinds of really useful stuff. There's there's a whole set of you know, sleep music and sleep stories to, to kind of help you drift off at night. So um, it's, a, it's a really wonderful tool and I'm ever more proud to, to recommend it. So examstudyexpert.com forward slash headspace if you want to check it out for yourself. It's completely free to sign up. Uh, you don't have to pay to start with and you can quite a long way uh, just using the free version. Again, exams to the experts.com forward slash headspace. Fantastic. So just before we wrap up, Alex, let's summarize the uh, top four little tips we have for you on good brain health. So in at number one. In at number one, stay hydrated, carry a water bottle with you. In at number two, work on your sleep routine. So in particular, that idea of setting a regular bedtime and wake up time. In at number three, exercise. Consider building in just a little light to moderate exercise into your schedule. And in at number four, wake up mindfully. So the idea of starting your day with uh, even just for a few minutes of meditation as part of your morning routine. For example, using an app such as Headspace. So there we have it, our four little tips for you for good brain health this year. Unless you're already doing all four of these things, our suggestion would be to pick one of these four areas and work on that first. So work on incorporating that idea into your routine first. And then once you're happy with that, once you've got that dialed in, you can potentially add another one and another one. Uh, and in no time at all, you'll be soaring along with best brain health in your class. <laughs> um, thank you so much, as always, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure kicking off the year with you or whatever time of the year it is when you're, you're listening to this, if you're, you're listening to this in future. It's been a real pleasure having you with us. Wishing you every success, as always, in your studies. Thanks ever so much and good luck. Wasn't that wonderful? If you're feeling inspired, why not leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app? It would make our day. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.